Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lawmaster Program. The AVB's predictions regarding the coming of the Lord God are fulfilled in the man, Tommy L. Hart. This is big, big news. The Bible's Lord God has come as predicted. But not only has the Lord God come, he has also come forward and revealed himself. He has told the people his name in compliance with Psalm 94, 1 and John 7, 4. Having performed the works that the Bible ascribes to God, the man Tommy L. Hart fills the bill for God. It is reported by those who know him best. He has done all things well. Let's hear from the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. Plato's Spirit, Tommy L. Hart's Burden. I want to say this before I get into the uh, meat of the episode here. I have said God is not a spirit. And what does spirit mean in that statement? The statement, God is not a spirit. It means it takes the fourth definition, definition number four from a dictionary online, dictionary.com. That fourth definition says conscious incorporeal being, conscious incorporeal being. Is God a spirit or not? Now, that definition, conscious incorporeal being, we get that sense from Luke chapter 24, verse 39. It says, a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see I have. A spirit hath not flesh and bones. And that's my thinking whenever you've heard me say on in any episode, God is not a spirit. Now, so uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 39, expresses that same idea. Spirit meaning there in Luke 24, 39, the same as in my statement, which I said, God is not a spirit. That is a conscious incorporeal being. A conscious incorporeal being has not does not have any flesh and bones or flesh and blood, as Plato said. Okay? Now, so just keep that in mind. And that's important because I have at various times probably many times said God is not a spirit. Now, that is correct. That statement that that I've made before is correct. And I gave you the definition of spirit in that usage. Okay? So keep that in mind. Now, let's get with this thing, this important subject on having to do with the spirit, the spirit of God. As I go through these things, 
you may, after three or four minutes, notice a shift in direction. That's nice if you notice it. If you don't, then just follow along. And if you do notice it, just follow along, okay? But there will be a shift. Matter of fact, a sudden shift in direction in about three or four minutes. Now, let's get started with this. Our lead statement comes from Acts chapter 23, verse 8, which says, There is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit. Is that statement so? Some time ago, I was spoken about the the issue of resurrection. I have not spoken on the issue of angels, but Plato tells us quite well in this statement that there is no angel. You know, like a spiritual being, the preachers talk about in the church having wings, you know. Plato says there is no resurrection, neither angels. Then he says, nor spirit. Our questions are, I believe it's two of them. The first one, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 15, says, what is the weight of the spirit? And Romans chapter 8, verse 27, what is the mind of the spirit? Our main question is, what is the spirit of God? Is there such a thing as the spirit of God? Very important. The main question being, as I said, is God a spirit or not? That's what we will deal with. In doing so, we will cover a few Bible statements, King James Bible statements, employing the word spirit. So we begin now. First John 4 verse 1 says, try the spirits, whether they are of God. So as one reads the Bible, studies, examines the Bible, he is to try the spirits. That's counsel. That's advice. Keep that in mind. Counsel, advice. He is to try the spirits, or she is to try the spirits, whether to see whether they are of God, whether they concern God. Are we given anything to assist us or provide some clarity and understanding? Well, that counsel statement I just read is one thing that's given to us. We we are advised to try the spirits. Okay, so are we given anything else to assist us or provide some clarity 
in understanding this thing called spirit by Plato, and we are assuming there is an object having to do with God and having the designation of spirit. Number five. Now, there is a statement in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, which gives us some guidance. And two, this thing of the spirit. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now, I'll tell you, I'll give you this right here. The him is a reference to the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. All right? The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might. See that word counsel there? I just spoke about counsel. Counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Number six, part A of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, issues a declaration telling something about the spirit. It says, the spirit shall rest upon the Lord. (laughs) Okay? Then part B of that same verse gives us more information on the spirit, saying, the spirit that is wisdom. And infam- uh, the spirit that is wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and the spirit that is knowledge. Notice in there these three things, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And the, okay, and I intentionally stopped at knowledge. These are the Lord's responsibility or duty. What? What are they? Wisdom. The providing of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding in things concerning God. Number seven. This we get from Isaiah 11.2. These things, wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might, and knowledge, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, has the obligation of providing. Of the five, I will focus on these three, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. The shift. Number eight, now there are other statements that say essentially the same as Isaiah 11.2. Isaiah 42 verse 1 says, I have put my spirit upon him. That is easy to see. And B, Isaiah 61 verse 1 which is the, which says the same as Luke 4, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That is true to me.
Number nine, Isaiah 11, verse 2 says, the spirit shall rest upon him. Isaiah 61, verse 1, and Luke 4, verse 18 says, is upon. So we have these two two things, rest upon, is upon. The word rest means here to be imposed as a burden or responsibility. Now keep in mind what we are getting to at this point is spirit. What is this spirit that Isaiah in chapter 11, verse 2, speaks of. The spirit of the Lord shall be upon him, the man, Tommy L. Hart. We're getting to that matter now. Just what is imposed upon the Lord? Remember the statement says, the spirit of the Lord shall be shall rest upon him. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. What is imposed upon the Lord? Keeping the definition of the word rest in mind. Let me repeat that definition for rest to be imposed as a burden or responsibility. Now I move on. Is knowledge opposed is knowledge imposed upon him, the Lord, or wisdom? The statement says, the Isaiah eleven two statement says, the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. Now the statement we can leave out a couple of words. The statement essentially says the spirit shall rest upon him. Okay? Now, the Lord is not going to rest upon the Lord. The statement is saying, the Spirit shall rest upon him. We want to know what this Spirit is. So I ask the question, is knowledge imposed upon him, the Lord, or wisdom? No. It is a burden. Remember the definition of rest to be imposed as a burden or responsibility? It is a burden, an obligation that is imposed upon the Lord. And that burden, that obligation is Call spirit. So here, the spirit of the Lord is the burden or obligation of the Lord. You you should know who the Lord is by now. Okay, you should know that the Lord in the statement is a real person. There are two statements. Let me put them out at this time, having to do with the Lord's burden. 
the burden of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Lord God. First Thessalonians five twenty one says, Prove all things. So there's a burden to prove all things. And the next imperative is two imperatives. The first one, first Thessalonians five twenty one, which says, Prove all things. And the second imperative says, do all things. Do and prove. Prove and do. All right? Now, I will read the complete statement there in First Thessalonians 5, verse 21. It says, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Don't go and forget that which is good. Hold fast to it. Cling to it. Own it. Own that which is good, which comes forth from my teaching. All right? Now, that burden is an onus. Remember? I spoke about the the uh, spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. That uh, let's see here, and we I gave you the definition of rest to impose as a burden upon, or rest upon to impose as a burden, or responsibility, obligation. That burden is an onus now. So introduction of a a new word here coming from me. Onus, O-N-U-S, onus, and that burden is an onus, and the onus is burden of proof. Let me read that again. That burden of the Lord is an onus. The onus is burden of of proof. Now, how did we get from spirit to burden of proof? We, okay, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 36 says, and the burden are on us, are, are the burden or onus of the Lord, shall ye mention no more. Let me read the statement as it appears in the King James Bible. And the burden of the Lord shall ye mention no more. Let's use onus instead of burden. The onus of the Lord shall ye mention no more. What is onus? I just told you a moment ago. Answer, onus is burden of proof. Let's apply that to the Isaiah 11 verse 2 statement. We get, the burden of proof shall rest upon him, the Lord, the man, Kamiel Hart. And remember, the two imperatives, the first one, 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do all things. The second imperative I gave you earlier, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, prove all things. And here we are talking about the onus, the burden of proof. So you get the connection, onus, burden of proof, prove all things. Follow real closely. Hold fast that which is good. Doing all things and proving all things rests upon the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. Eleven. The Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, is commanded to do all things and to prove all things. The burden of proof of all things and has been, this doesn't sound right. Let's see. The burden of proof of all things is and has been uh, for some time on the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. The burden of proof of all things has been and is uh, on the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. Number 12, the statement, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. We started with a given that given is the word spirit. From spirit, we went to rest upon. We, uh, we then went to burden, on to onus, on to burden of proof. That's how we got from spirit in Isaiah 11, chapter, chapter 11, verse 2, to Burden of proof. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 is now clarified. In its clarified form, it says, the burden of proof shall rest upon him who is found to be the man, Tommy L. Hart. Number 13. So what is spirit in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2? Answer. Spirit in Isaiah 11, verse 2 is burden of proof. The burden of proof, Isaiah 11, verse 2, shall rest upon him, the Lord God, the man, Tommy L. Hart. Item 14, I bring back the two statements introduced earlier. The first one, Isaiah 42, verse 1, I have put my spirit upon him. In clarified form says, I have put the burden of proof upon him, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. And the second statement, Isaiah 61, verse 1, and Luke 4, verse 18, 
the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. In clarified form says, the burden of proof is upon me. That serves as a statement of acceptance and admission on my part are coming from yours truly. Now this statement, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, Tommy L. Hart. What is good and acceptable in Tommy L. Hart's sight? It is good that the burden of proof falls on the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. And Tommy L. Hart has accepted that burden. And he admits, saying, the burden of proof is upon me, the man, Tommy L. Hart, the King James Bible's Lord God. Number 15, Matthew 11, verse 30 says, my burden is light. The statement speaks of a light burden. Light burden, an oxymoron. We know now that burden in Matthew chapter 11, verse 30 uh, refers to the burden of proof from whence we get the question is the Lord's burden of proof a light thing as Matthew chapter 11 verse 30 says answer the Lord's burden of proof is no light or trivial matter. matter. The burden of proof, the Lord's burden of proof, is no light or trivial matter. Page three. The burden of proof is a required function of the Lord God as he scrutinizes and analyzes Bible content. Number 16, I have given you four King James Bible statements employing the term spirit, where spirit is translated burden of proof. The statements are, one, Isaiah 11, these are the references, Isaiah 11, verse 2, Isaiah 42, verse 1, Isaiah 61, verse 1, and Luke 4, verse 18, and then we have Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. We are finished with those four statements. That was part A. 
Okay? Now, the understanding there should be clear. The Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. That's Isaiah 11, verse 2. Clarified, it says, the burden of proof shall be upon the Lord, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. Right? So I'm not going to go ahead and repeat anything else on that. That's part A, and we're done with it. The important thing to get out of that is that spirit there in those statements is burden of proof. And I've been carrying that burden for a long time. For many, many years, I've been carrying that burden. And doing all I can or could do to meet that burden of proof. Now we move on. We move from part A to this part, which is part B. We will deal with other statements having the word spirit in them. The first one is John chapter 4, verse 24, which says, God is a spirit. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, The spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Those are the two statements that we'll really be dealing with, although other, other Bible statements will come up. Let's take God is a spirit first. And the question is, what is spirit in the John 4, verse 24 statement? Is God really a spirit? Or is spirit in the two statements I just referenced, burden of proof, as in the Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2 statement, which we just dealt with, or is it something entirely different? I begin. Let's decide upon the appropriate definition. Remember how when I first started out, started this episode? I gave, I made the statement, God is a spirit. Then I gave the definition for spirit as used in that particular statement. And that spirit definition was different from the spirit definition that I gave for when I was talking about part A. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Remember those? That one and the others that follow it. Yes. What is spirit here? In the two statements I just read, God is a spirit, and the spirit searches all things. 
put his spirit there. So let's decide upon the appropriate definition here of a spirit as used in those two statements. God is a spirit, and the spirit searches all things. We have an appropriate definition. It says an individual, this is the appropriate definition for spirit here in these last two statements I've uh, put forth. It says an individual as characterized by a given attitude, disposition, action, etc. That's what the definition states. That is the appropriate definition for spirit as used in God is a spirit and the spirit searches all things. So, spirit can be a person, a human being, if you will. In light of the definition of spirit I just gave, Consider these statements. One, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse three. The spirit of the living God. Now let's put the first statement: God is a spirit. Let's place it before second the statement said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, and it would read like this. Let's, let's see here. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God. Wow, you should get that. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God. Now, I've spoken much here lately on the living God. So you should know well who the living God is. But get the connection between those two statements as placed side by side. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God. I put those two statements together. And guess what? The two statements are right, having been put together. What they say is exactly the case. It's, it's, it's precise. It is right. It is accurate. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God. Now, the spirit of the living God, the word of there, the spirit of the living God, the of means having the designation of. God is a spirit, the spirit having the designation of. Of God The spirit having the name Or title Of God One more time God is a spirit The spirit of the living God Let's go to the To the next one Jeremiah chapter 10 Verse 10 He is the living God We know Tommy L. Hart is a living God. I've taught on that just here very recently. Okay? He is the living God. 
Now let's put God is a spirit before he is the living God and see how that sounds and how it goes over. God is a spirit. He is the living God. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God. He is the living God. He, God is a spirit. He is the living God. Listen, God is a spirit. And then you have a pronoun, he. But we know who the he is. The he is the man, Tommy L. Hart. We already know that. Okay? That's, I can say, old news. It's certainly not new. Because I've been saying this for, for some time. Okay? The man, Tommy L. Hart. The Bible's Lord God is the man, Tommy L. Hart. He is the living God. He's alive at this particular time. He won't be, he, he's not expecting to be alive forever. But right now, he is alive. He, and right now, he is the living God. Guess after I die, somebody will say, well, now he's a dead God. Well, that's okay, too. I will be dead. Okay. All right? The point is we're talking about now. We're talking about the living God. Matter of fact, the living God is now talking. Let's move to the next one. And each one of these other Bible statements, I will proceed with the first statement, which is God is a spirit. Mark chapter 7, verse 37 says, he has done all things well. Let's put the first statement before it. God is a spirit. He has done all things well. I've been teaching on that statement just very recently. All of them. Okay? So far, God is a spirit. He has done all things well. Who have I been saying has done, the Bible says all things, he has done all things well. I've been saying the man, the Bible says the man, Tommy L. Hart, has done all things well. I've been saying that. So, God is a spirit. He has done all things well. God is a spirit. The spirit of the living God. God is a spirit. He is the living God. God is a spirit. He has done all things well. Let's move to the next one. Number four here. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 5 says, He has done excellent things. Put the first statement before it. God is a spirit. He has done excellent things. God is a spirit. He has done excellent things. God is a spirit. He has done all things well. God is a spirit. He is the living God. God is a spirit, the spirit of the living God, the spirit having the designation of God. 
the next one. John chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made by him. The same pattern. God is a spirit. All things were made by him. Think about this for a moment. These statements I have taught on just, just, just recently, in days, you might say, certainly in weeks, a few weeks. I've taught on these Bible statements. Now we are attaching God is a spirit to them. Or we are, we are attaching these latter statements to the statement, God is a spirit. And they all come off truthfully. They, they all hit the mark. So far, let's continue. First John chapter 3, verse 20. God knows all things. God is a spirit and knoweth all things. True. I will give the I will give again the appropriate definition of spirit and make a statement. Spirit, an individual as characterized by a given attitude, disposition, action, etc. Now my attachment. Second Corinthians chapter three verse seventeen. Now the Lord is that spirit. Now listen closely to this so you can get it. It's clear. But you got to listen to it. You got to hear it. You got to listen well. Now the Lord is that spirit. And I can say, what spirit? The Lord is what spirit? And I will read the, let's see here, the stated definition and attachment together. Listen, the definition of spirit, first followed, followed by my attachment, the definition of spirit. An individual as characterized by a given attitude, disposition, action, etc. Now the Lord is that spirit. The Lord is that spirit described in the stated definition of Spirit. The Lord, Tommy L. Hart, is that spirit as described in the stated definition. The definition makes it clear that spirit, a spirit can be a, a person, a human being. Okay? The human being here is the man, Tommy L. Hart, which the Bible says is the Lord God. Okay, now we move on. In the state, in the stated sense, God, the man, Tommy L. Hart, is a spirit. And let me read that definition again. The man, Tommy L. Hart, is a spirit. Let's see here. An individual, Tommy L. Hart, is an individual as characterized by a given attitude, disposition, action, etc. Now the Lord. Tommy L. Hart, 
is that spirit. That spirit described in the definition I just gave for spirit. Moving on, number eight here in this part B. First Corinthians chapter two verse ten says, The spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So we see that the spirit here has some connection to God, just as in God is a spirit statement, spirit has some connection to God. Matter of fact, spirit is God. God is a spirit. God is the spirit. Uh, per per definition of spirit that I stated, and in that sense, so we have the spirit searches all things. And we are nearing the end. Who has actually involved, remember the statement, the spirit searches all things. Now, who has actually in, who has actually been involved in the action of searching out, performing, and making known to the people all things. Who has been involved in that action? It is the man, Tommy L. Hart. And I've been showing you <laughs> that for quite some time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, the term spirit is a reference to the Lord God, the man, Tommy L. Hart. The statement says, the spirit searches all things. Okay. The spirit searches all things. Clarified says, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, searches all things. In the second King James Bible state, statements, or in part two King James Bible statements, God is a spirit, and the spirit searches all things. Spirit is a reference to the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. God is a spirit. Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, is a spirit in the sense stated earlier. The spirit searches all things. The spirit, the Lord God, Tommy L. Hart, searches all things. We see in these things that spirit in group A consisting of, and this is just some of them, John 4, verse 24, and 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10, and spirit in group B, Isaiah 11, verse 2. Okay, I got that label wrong. We see in these things that spirit in group B, John 4:24 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 10 and spirit in group A, 
Isaiah 11, verse 2, and Isaiah 42, verse 1, take different definitions, different meanings. In group A, the spirit is burden of proof. And in group B, the spirit is the man, Lord God, Tommy L. Hart. In group A, spirit is a burden. In group B, spirit is an individual. In group A, spirit is burden of proof. In group B, spirit is an individual. And that's all I have. I thought it would take at least an hour. But uh, it falls short of an hour by a few minutes. I'm I'm sorry for that. Follow me on Twitter. Always make Lawmaster Archives your dwelling place. Now go to Amazon.com and order from my list of books. Join me next time.